0: Buenos dias. It's an honor and privilege to be here, as my friends from Shela say, I was uh, assembled in Quetzaltenango with the imported parts. <laughs> my parents were missionaries here for 45 years and served here at Union Church on uh, different positions and helped out, and, and uh, were missionaries with the Southern Baptist primarily. Uh, my wife and kids. Uh, could not join me this morning, but they send their greetings as well. Uh, It is a a real privilege and honor to be here at Union Church. Um, My wife and I got married here, almost 21, a little over 21 years ago. We had our wedding here at Union Church and have a very special place in our heart for this this congregation. Um, I I did wanna share with you guys, my wife and I do work in Zone 18, so my context is from a lower income area. But I believe that what God laid on my heart to share with you is something that can be replicated wherever you are and whatever you do. It's some four simple steps that I want to share with you guys. And the question I want you to ask yourselves this morning is, how do you reach out to your community? And what is your community? What are the people around you that need to hear about Christ? What are the people around Union Church that need to hear about God's truth? And how do you touch those closest to you? So I want to share with you guys four principles that I believe uh, can be used wherever you are and whatever you do. And it does come from Isaiah, uh, one of my favorite passages, Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 6. Uh, God does really easy things for me to remember, 61, 1 to 6, right? And it's the passage that Jesus reads when he goes into the synagogue in uh, Luke chapter 4. But I want to just focus in right now on the verse, first verse. Uh, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me. Now, do you have Jesus in your heart? If you do, then you are anointed by God to do his work. And what is his work? He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners. Four simple things that I think we can each do in our lives and in the community in which we serve. And the very first one is proclaim good news. Now, on the surface, this very first one, proclaim the good news, we can interpret as sharing the gospel. But I would argue that this is not about sharing the gospel because it has a qualifier: share good news to the poor. Does that mean rich people don't need to hear the gospel? Who's a rich person? I compare myself to Bezos. I'm poor. Right? You can always compare yourself to somebody that's richer than you and say, oh, I'm poor compared to Bill Gates. So, what, what, what does a qualifier to the poor mean? And what does good news mean? Good news sometimes just means una palabra de aliento, a word of encouragement, something that you reach people where they are with what they need. At that moment, there's people that are economically poor, but there's people that are emotionally poor. There's people that are relationally poor. There's people that are poor in spirit. And it's not our job to try and change people, it's our job to meet people where they are. Okay? I'm gonna use some examples from my context, which, as I said, is, is Zona 18, zone 18 a high risk area of the city. My wife and I have been working in those type of neighborhoods for 26 years. And uh, God's allowed us to be there and to be able to share his love with those that may not hear it from other places. You know, many times Jesus would, would give the lame man the ability to walk or bring sight to the blind or heal the sick and then talk about faith. And this is the good news of meeting them where they are and it's not our job to take them to the next step. That's the Holy Spirit's job. We meet them where they are. Jesus loves you. That's good news. So proclaiming the good news, let me tell you a simple story. We went into the public school system in El Paraíso Dos. And when we went into this public school system, we, we said, how can we serve you? Now, as you can imagine, in the public school system here, unfortunately, there, it has a lot of challenges and in the rougher neighborhoods, it has even greater challenges. And I walk in, and as I walk into the, 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 the facility, I saw about 10 or 15 things that I immediately knew that this could I could fix this, we need to change that, we need to improve this, we need to do that. If we really do these four or five things, it'll really improve the school, make it a different place. But you have to meet people where they are. And I sat down with the director and I said, Director, what can I do for you? What do you need? And she says, we want the school painted. We want new paint on the school. I said, okay, great. Because the classrooms are kind of dingy, dark, and needed a new facelift. So my thought is, what classroom can I start painting? Her thought is, I don't want you painting the classrooms. I want you to paint the outside wall. Why the outside wall? she says because I want the kids when they come to school to come to a beautiful building outside as they walk through the front doors okay we painted the outside walls I said can I put some motivational sayings on the outside walls she said we don't want any religious stuff out there I don't want any Christian this is a public school we have to remain secular that's okay Can I just put some motivational sayings? She she conceded, said yes. All along the outside wall, we painted Proverbs. A wise king once said and painted all these Proverbs. Didn't put the citation, that way it's not religious. Just a historical figure said at one point in time. You know what that allowed us to do? That built trust. We met them where they were. I saw all these other problems that needed to be fixed, they just wanted a wall painted. You meet people where they are. You understand what they need at that moment and that opens you the door for later. Now, because we did that seven years ago, we now get invited to the in-school, in-service teacher training to pray for the teachers, to lead Bible studies with them, to help them become better teachers from it within their neighborhood. We have uh, open doors into the public school system to be able to go in and work with the kids. So the first thing, bring good news to the poor. That's meeting people where they are. What's the good news that somebody needs today? The second thing is binding up the brokenheartedness. This was a little bit harder because sometimes the context that you're in, so I grew up, as you guys know, my parents, uh, 53, 54 years of marriage. Now I lost count. Um, pray for my mom. She survived that long with my dad. Uh, she's a saint, but I had a stable home and in, 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 you know, we weren't rich compared to Jeff Bezos, but we were never starving. I might've gone hungry because I skipped a meal, but I've never gone three days hungry. I've had a a stable home and an opportunity for education. And as Greg said, I went to the University of Georgia and got a degree and, and have opportunities. How can I connect with the people in a neighborhood where the reality is, is that most of the fathers aren't present? The opportunity for education is not there. And it's not so much of me trying to walk in their shoes, but it's me trying to understand what they're going through. It's not enough for you to put your brain in their bodies because your brain thinks differently than they do. You have to try to understand what they're thinking and what they're going through. And unfortunately, in some of these high-risk neighborhoods in Guatemala City, there are some dynamics of situations that we may not understand or may not know or, or may not recognize. The reality of the situation is that Half of the young ladies in those neighborhoods are abused by the age of 15. That's right here, five miles away from here. Half of the young ladies are abused by the age of 15. 80% of the girls have their first child by the age of 18. Many times before they even turn 18, they've had their first child the average 25-year-old girl in some of these high-risk neighborhoods have four kids from at least two if not three different fathers can you understand the broken-heartedness that might come into that can you imagine the kid's life of going through one daddy after another stepdad after another stepdad after another stepdad, after another stepdad? some of these mothers they're so broken and destroyed that that the oldest child, they kick them out of the house to keep the current father happy. How do you feel if your dad rejected you and kicked you out of the, your mom rejected you and kicked you out of the house, and your dad's not even present? What kind of a life would you have? There's a thing that we call the Leia syndrome. Over the years, we've we've grown to call uh, some of these ladies the Leia syndrome. To try to help understand marginally what's going on in their lives and the Leah syndrome is is uh, you, you know the story of Rachel and Leah the two sisters in the Bible it says Rachel was beautiful she was gorgeous she was the prom queen miss Miss Israel right she was the wonderful one everybody loved Rachel and here's a biblical euphemism what did it say about Leah she had weak eyes. <laughs> As my grandma says, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. It just says she has weak eyes. That's a euphemism for she was ugly, right? She was unloved by her father, who pawned her off on the first man that came through the door. Unloved by her husband. The Bible clearly says Jacob did not love her because he loved Rachel. Unloved by her brothers. They came after looking for the gold, and to really care about his sister's. She was unloved. She was taken advantage of. She was abused. And she says, the Bible says she had a son, and she says, maybe now my husband will love me. And he didn't. Had a second son. and says, maybe now my husband will be joined in harmony with me. And he wasn't. And I think she has four or five kids and finally she says now I will just praise God forget about that 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 guy Jacob. I will focus on God But that's the Leia syndrome where where this girl is so broken down that she Is abused by this man ends up pregnant. He obviously didn't love her much less the child. So he pushes her away Well, maybe if I shack up with this guy, maybe he will love me He doesn't the next guy the next guy And none of them love them. And that is what we call the Leia syndrome. It's the brokenheartedness. So broken that they have no purpose. Let me tell you the story of one young man. Juanes. When he was born, when when he he was 14 years old, he was, um, he had not been to school a day in his life. 14. And the reason was that when he was born, the hospital, the Centro Medico where he was born, they messed up the paperwork. And his mom is a, makes tortillas for a living over an open fire. She smells with smoke. She wears a corte en a And you can just imagine some of the places here. Someone like that shows up at the front door and says, you, the doctors, the ones that have the white suits, you messed up. They're like, no, we didn't. They don't want to admit their error. He didn't have a birth certificate. He'd never had an education. He was going to turn 16. He couldn't get a driver's license because he couldn't get a DPE because he didn't have a birth certificate. If he can't get a DPE, he can't work. If he can't work, then what's his options? To join some of these delinquent groups that exist here in Guatemala. We showed up as a ministry and and we realized the situation. We went to the medical center and said, excuse me, we brought lawyers and you made a mistake. We need to find this. And we sat down and and, and one of my associates, David Medina, sat down and he went through the medical records for like three years. Maria gave birth to a daughter. Juana gave birth to a son. And finally, finally, he read Gregoria Kutzal gave birth to a boy. It didn't have his name because that's just how you register. He gave birth to a boy, gave birth to a girl, gave birth, whatever. But the mother's name was there. And Juanes was standing behind David and he started to weep. He says, I exist. I exist. Do you understand the brokenheartedness where, where you don't even exist because you don't have a piece of paper that says you were born even though you're standing there physically? That's trying to understand the broken and understand what's going on in the lives of these people and how you can be of service to them. The problems in in, in zone 10 and zone 14 and 13 might be different from those in zone 18, but there's broken There's families that are broken apart, children that are wayward. Situations going on where only you can take a moment to understand what's happening. The third thing that the passage talks about, it says, we need to free the prisoners from captivity. Now, I grew up Southern Baptist, and and uh, and, and there's there's things that, that I, we learned in our denomination, and things that other denominations learn differently. Some are more adamant about certain things, and some of them are less adamant about certain things. But there, without a shadow of a doubt, there's things that hold us back. That prevent us from advancing. Chains that bind us. The Bible talks about what is bound on earth will be bound in heaven and what you loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. There are spiritual bindings and there's physical bindings. There's chains of oppression. It says that we are slaves to our debtor. Chains of addiction. Alcohol, drugs, Pornography. There's chains that limit our mindsets that people have told us you're stupid and you can't do it and you believe it These are limitations that prevent us from getting ahead and and the spiritual change that yoke us to our past I messed up and I can't move forward And we have to break those chains We have to change that there's a spiritual battle going on that we must fight And, and there's a young man named Bullwinkle And this young man had joined one of these delinquent groups here in Guatemala. And I would go by his house and his mom would allow me to plug in to their outlet. And and we would show the Jesus film and we would show the VeggieTales cartoons in the middle of these rough neighborhoods. And his mother would say, go talk to Pastor Nathan. So I'd get there early, set up, have everything ready. And then Bullwinkle would come talk to me and he'd stand like this. Hey man, we're going to have pizza night, Friday night at church. Love for you to come to our church. We're going to the beach on Saturday. Listen, you don't even have to pay the fee. I've already covered it for you. Just show up. We've got a soccer tournament coming up. You should come join one of the teams. Great talking to you, Bill Winkle. Look forward to seeing you next week. And that was our conversation. And at one point in time, he got caught in a crossfire and and, uh, got shot in the leg. The doctors told him he was never going to walk again. And uh, I went by Bullwinkle's house because I was going back to the States for a couple years. And I said, Bullwinkle, listen, I, I have to leave. But the fact that you're alive is because God still has a purpose for you. He has a reason that you're alive. And I love you. And just because I don't come visit you doesn't mean I don't love you. It's because I have to go on this trip. But Jesus loves you even more than I do. And I prayed for him and I left. And when I came back 18 months later, I was at church. And he came walking across the parking lot was Bullwinkle. And he came up to me and he gave me a big hug. He says, I left the delinquent groups. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I changed my life. That's releasing someone from the chains that bind him, that prevent him from getting ahead. That's transforming a life that allows him to flourish. Today he's married and has two kids, a man that was destined to die and be destroyed. So are you on your knees fighting? Are you praying for your family, your community, your nation, our nation of Guatemala, our nation of the U.S.? Are you praying for the world there is no ministry built tomorrow that is not first constructed on the knees of those who prayed before we cannot union church cannot grow into the next century if you don't pray today you might not see the transformation now but your grandkids and future generations will if you will pray today if you will get on your knees and fight the spiritual battles for this church and for this community So if we'll do the first three We bring good news to the poor we bind up the brokenhearted and we free the prisoners from captivity Then then we get to see number four And number four. This is where Where the light comes in Remember the saying people don't care what you think unless they think you care They don't care what you believe. Somebody that's starving to death doesn't need to hear about a a God that's off in heaven somewhere looking over us. He needs food today. He needs hope right now in a tangible way to be able to understand that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. This is when we gain the privilege of being able to release the captives from darkness into light, into the light of the gospel, into the light of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. This is where we bring hope in a brighter future. This is where, because of our actions, we have the opportunity to see a life transformed. In Paraíso, there's a soccer field, a, a sand lot, if you will, with a, a one side of it is a mud slope. And we went into this neighborhood, and, and I, I, it's, it was an, a, a very dark area. It was the borderline between the two delinquent groups in the area. And um, I went up to the president of the soccer committee and said, hey, uh, I, I, I want to talk to you. And he says, who are you? What do you want? I says, well, I just want to ask your permission. I said, well, what kind of permission? I says, I, I can't promise anything, but if God gives me 10 cinder blocks, will you give me permission to put them on the soccer field to start building you know some seats or something and if God gives me a hundred blocks can I put a hundred blocks there he says is it election year what political party are you with for the last 30 years do you know how many diputados have come through here at election time promising things I said I don't promise you anything I just want your permission that if God gives me 10 cinder blocks I can put them on the soccer field Stupid gringo, get out of my house. And he slammed the door on me. You can, whatever. And I walked out and I had his permission. <laughs> and we went and, and slowly we put 10 cinder blocks and 100 and 1,000. And slowly we came down the side of that field building 20 yards at a time. Or 20 metros here in Guate, right? Eventually we finished the whole field. About halfway down the field, Leonzo came to me and he said, something's not right with you. I said, well, I've heard that before. You're different. I said, well, it's not me. It's Jesus who's in me. He says, you, but see, you promise nothing and you do everything. Why? And I got a chance to lead him to the Lord. He's 76 and he led his daughter to the Lord. He led his two neighbors across the street to the Lord. He led his other daughter that lives around the corner to the Lord. All because some crazy white guy went in to build stadium seating in one of the toughest neighborhoods in Guatemala City. Because I cared, I had the opportunity to share the light. Isaiah 61 goes on to say in verse three, "They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of their, His splendor." Verse seven six says, "You will be called priest of the Lord, and you will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast." If we are faithful to do one, two, three, and four, bring the good news, bind up the brokenhearted. Free the prisoners from chains. Bring them out of darkness into light. The lives will be impacted. They will be priests and ministers of God. And oaks of righteousness. What our society needs are tremendous oak trees. Encinos. Oak trees are huge and stable. They have a strong trunk and, and roots that hold the soil together. Branches that provide shelter. And we're trying to grow boys... From acorns into oak trees. We want them to be husbands that don't beat their wives, but love them. Fathers that don't abandon their kids, but raise them. And men that don't destroy their communities, but fight for them. Our ministry is trying to help empower youth so they can transform their communities from the inside out. Now, these four simple steps sound like they only apply to these rough neighborhoods in the more impoverished parts of our city. But even here, in some of these more affluent neighborhoods, you can bring good news to somebody that needs it. Who needs somebody right now that can sit with them and encourage them? How can you make a difference in your community? By just being present, being there with someone that needs it. Who needs to hear a word of encouragement? What brokenheartedness around you can you can help to bind up? Someone just lost a loved one. You did, too. You can go encourage them. Pray for each other. Your business is struggling. There's this, too. Let's pray for each other. I have a kid that doesn't want to come to church. They did, too. How can you encourage each other? What spiritual warfare can you pray over right now? How can you get on your knees tonight and say, God, I don't even know what I need to pray for. I don't know how I need to pray for Union Church, but I want Union Church to be around for 75, 150, 300 more years. To continue to shine your light in this community. And how can you bring the darkness and bring the light into a dark world? God has a reason that you're here today and he has a purpose for you being part of Union Church. I believe that wholeheartedly. It's not coincidence that we're here because God wants to use you to be a light to the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that you sent your son to down the cross for me. Thank you that you understood my poverty of a relationship with you. You saw the hurt in my heart and helped bind up my heart. Freed me from my past and brought me into your light so that I can share that with others. And Father, we pray that those same four steps be something that everyone in this room and those online can hear and move forward in doing. In honoring you in all that we do. In serving you in all that we do. And in being your light to those that need it most. May today's word penetrate our hearts and transform our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.